0: Today's episode is being sponsored by Stephen and Ariel Kosterna in memory of Milo Liam Kosterna. Here's what Stephen and Ariel have to say about little Milo. From the moment we knew he was alive, we loved him. We felt such longing to meet him and to hold him, especially when we knew the time was drawing near. At last, our dear little boy, was flawlessly born on May 3rd last year. We learned so much about him in those first few minutes. He was beautiful, he was cuddly, and we were and are so glad that he is ours. Milo, we know you are alive and we love you. We feel such longing to meet you and to hold you. I'm sure it will be especially strong when our time is drawing near. At last, our dear little boy, will see his parents flawlessly born anew. We will learn so much about you in those first few minutes. You will still be beautiful, you will still be cuddly, and you will still be ours, just as we are yours. We love you, little boy. Stephen and Ariel Costerna. Stephen and Ariel, thank you for sharing Milo with us and for sponsoring today's episode in Milo's Memory. Hi, thank you for joining me today as we talk about being broken after the death of our child. Have you ever seen or heard of kintsugi, which means golden joinery or golden repair? This is a Japanese form of art, and I love how Wikipedia describes it. It says it's the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery by mending the areas of breakage with lacquer dusted or mixed with powdered gold, silver, or platinum. As a philosophy, it treats breakage and repair as part of the history of an object rather than something to disguise. That's what it says in Wikipedia, and I love that last line, that it treats breakage and and repair as part of the history of an object rather than something to disguise and it makes it valuable it reminds me of something that i heard based on second corinthians 12:10 which is the scripture when i am weak then i am strong and what i heard was that god doesn't want to come down into our weakness. He wants to bring us up into his strength. Now I get that second part. He wants to bring us up into his strength, but that first part seemed like a little bit wrong to me at first until I realized there is a difference between God becoming something in us and being with us. Now, not only does God not want to come into our weakness, he can't because God is not able to be weak himself. Yes, he will stay with us in our weakness and our sorrow and our tears, but he joins us there to wipe the tears. And like a child who's fallen and been hurt, he picks us up and he carries us. And we can only continue in his strength because we don't have any of our own. So he doesn't come into our weakness to become part of our weakness. He comes to us to share that weakness and to become strength for us. He comes in us as strength. And his strength not only gives us hope and light but it gives our lives meaning and purpose again, just like that piece of pottery, the kintsugi that has been put back together and repaired with gold, making us even more valuable than before. After all, we are now learning how to live in a way that honors our child and gives their life meaning and purpose still. It's almost like our child is the gold that God uses to hold us together and to make our lives continue to be beautiful and valuable. Now, what I want to share with you next may be hard for you to understand, but I pray that you'll see it clearly in a way that brings you some freedom and some peace. Now, we know we are all broken. We're deeply broken. In fact, I remember feeling so very shattered at the beginning that I didn't even think it was possible to find all the pieces, much less have God put them back together again. But as I've continued on this journey, I began to see and understand that brokenness can actually be a gift, believe it or not when we know and admit how broken we are to God from a place of being vulnerable and no longer fighting him, we can experience an incredible depth of his love in a way that we didn't even know was possible here on earth. It's kind of like, I didn't know that this kind of darkness that that I was thrown into after Becca died, I didn't even know that kind of darkness existed. And now it's almost like I didn't realize that the depth of intimacy and just the the love of God that I could be surrounded in and live in was even possible or even existed. And I'm in awe of it. And if you're not there yet, it's okay, because it took me a long time to get there. One day I realized with tears that while I was learning to accept the trials of this life... I had not gotten to the place where I can say that I embrace them and that I'm okay with being broken because of the good that has come from it in my life. And I ask the Holy Spirit to show me some of those good things that have happened Because of all these trials and because of the times of deep brokenness, especially after the death of my daughter. And at that point, I found myself writing a list of 18 things that God has been able to work in me through the darkness. Some of these things were becoming a lot less judgmental of other people who were broken. Seeing the love and the grace of God in a much deeper way than I ever had before learning that it's okay to be broken and to still be a Christian. And even more than that, it's okay to be broken and be a Christian leader. I mean, that's huge for some of us. Another thing is becoming so much more free of what others think of me and learning how to just rest in his presence and let him just love on me in my brokenness. Now about that last one, I wish God would just speak the word and make it all better, take away the pain and the brokenness and just replace it with constant peace and rest for all of us, but it just doesn't seem to happen that way. Learning how to live in that place of rest in all the rawness of my pain and my brokenness has been a process. Peace does not come from God explaining himself and to know the logic behind God's decisions. But peace comes from his presence, from his nature, from knowing his true character, not who I thought he was, but who he really is. Because I know that's a struggle a lot of us have now. Here in our Western culture, we tend to be very analytical We are very intellectual. Everything has to be logical. We have to make sense of things in our minds, which is one of the reasons we have such a hard time with why God allowed this to happen, knowing how broken we would be. We want God to answer our prayers in a way that eliminates pain from our lives. We want God to manipulate our life here on earth so that nothing bad ever happens. But God does not force things. Love does not use force. And if God answered all our prayers that way, including the death of our child, then we would love him for what he did, not for who he is. And that means he would be manipulating us to be loved. And that's not love. We tend to tell God, keep the painful things away to prove that you love me if you really love me you wouldn't let something like this happen no father who loves their child would let something like this happen it's kind of like job we tend to accuse god of being wrong as we keep our beliefs about him instead of wondering about our own beliefs that instead those beliefs helping us to justify god as the redeemer and the one who loves us perfectly we tend to hang on to those beliefs about you're not a loving God, you're not a loving father. It's interesting. I heard a story just yesterday about a dad with a preschooler who uh, they were having breakfast and he said, you need to go upstairs and get ready, you know, to, to go to preschool. And she looked at her dad and said, no. And I think she said, no, you're making me sad. And his response was, I'm sorry, that makes you sad but you still have to go up and get ready to go to school. And so often as a parent, we have to make decisions that our child doesn't understand. And a loving parent will do that. And I do believe that God is a loving father and he does make decisions and he lets things happen. He lets life run its course Knowing that this is temporary, knowing that in eternity we won't have these things, knowing that we can trust him because he's not going to manipulate circumstances for anyone to get what they want. I mean, what if God answers someone else's prayer and manipulates something that affects me in my life and makes something horrible happen to me because he's answering somebody else's prayer and manipulating their life to be good and it makes mine bad. Am I making sense here? So We have to be willing to trust God with the big picture, to trust God with the view of eternity that we don't have. Just like a child isn't capable of seeing things from an adult parent's viewpoint, we are not capable of seeing things from God's viewpoint, And I know some of you struggle with me saying that, but at at some point, I believe that this is going to make sense to you, and it's going to be a revelation to you, and it's suddenly going to click, and you're suddenly going to say that she's right. I can't expect to see through God's eyes when I'm just human and limited to what I can see here on earth and what I feel and what I'm experiencing here. God will not take away our choice to believe and to receive his love for who he is and not what he does. So, I want to encourage you to let God into your pain with you instead of pushing him outside your pain. Now, it's not going to explain God's love in a logical way, but it will put your heart at rest. As you surrender to him within the pain and keep surrendering to God in your place of pain and disappointment and how life has gone so differently than we had imagined or thought it would. When we think of that verse that talks about God will do more than we could think or ask or imagine, we tend to think of that in a material sense, in a worldly, earthly sense of what God will give me, the good things he will give me. But there's so much more to that verse because when God does beyond what we could imagine or think, it means he can also redeem us in that way. He can bring light into our darkness when we didn't think it was possible. He can redeem us in a way that goes beyond what we can imagine or think. When we put God's love on trial, if you love me, God, then you will do this or you won't do that. He's not going to defend himself in this. He's not going to be manipulated like that. Instead, he keeps giving an invitation into a love that is so much bigger than God prove you love me by doing this. Sometimes, like with the death of our child, the choice from God is you can have understanding, which still won't give you peace, or you can have me and he is peace. Learning to rest in God is a must if you want to get out of your place of darkness and brokenness. And that means spending time alone with him, taking time to be intimate with the one who loves you like crazy and wants to get you out of the pit and onto the path of living again. And I know some of you think that's not possible, but with God, it is possible. So set time aside specifically to be alone in God's presence, just to be. We need to just be in the stillness of his presence where he can just clothe us with his peace and speak comfort to us and fill us with his extravagant love, especially if we have a hard time believing he truly loves us after not stepping in to save our child from earthly death. Spend intimate time with him, lots of it. Let him help you be okay with being broken, showing you the way out of darkness by showing you the fullness of himself. At one point in those early months after Becca died, I found myself asking, am I really truly resting in you, God? Because when I try to just sit in your presence and just be, my mind keeps going to my daughter and to what happened And I want to share his answer to me because I believe it's for you as well. And what he said, I wrote it down in my journal, you are in a process. Remember slow and steady. See it as the process it is and allow me to love on you. See me as the good shepherd I am, loving on my little broken sheep. My heart is going to remain in broken pieces that God has to put back together. But I can get to a place and you can too where we're okay with that because we know there will be a day when all of our hearts will be whole again and we will never again be broken. I am so excited to announce that Reflections of Hope Daily Readings for Bereaved Parents is now officially available. And this book is exactly what it says. It's a daily reading for bereaved parents. Daily readings to bring hope and encouragement to you as we are on this journey together. You can find out more about the book if you haven't already at gpshope.org slash reflections and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. If you have the book, if you pre-ordered it and it has been shipped to you, I know some of them have been going out. Would you please leave a rating and a review once you do get it and you start reading a few days? I'm going to put a link to the book on Amazon in the show notes as well so that you can just click on the link and scroll down until you get to the place where you can leave a review. We all know how we're influenced by what others have to say about a product or a book and this is a way that you can be a grieving parent sharing hope by encouraging others and letting them know why they should get this book and the more ratings and reviews the book gets, the more Amazon we'll bring it to the top as bereavers are searching for resources to help them on this journey. Did you know that this coming Sunday is Bereaved Mother's Day? This is a day to honor and remember moms who have lost a child. I have a couple of podcast episodes to this to talk about where it came from and share a little bit more about it and some things you can do on that day and I'll put a link to those in the show notes. There's also a blog you can read and that you can share with others that is a letter to my child on International Bereaved Mother's Day that I'll put a link to in the show notes as well. Or you can just go to gpshope.org and scroll down to the bottom for the search bar, type in Mother's Day, and all of these will show up. I want to say thank you again to Stephen and Ariel for sponsoring today's episode in memory of their son, Milo. If you would like to know how to sponsor an episode in memory of your child, go to gpshope.org and go to the Donate tab where it says Sponsor a Podcast Episode. And I'll put a link to this in the show notes as well. Lots of links today, right? Let's go ahead to our birthday segment. Milo Costerna. Budded on earth to bloom in heaven on May 3rd. Rosalie Marstall was born on May 4th and is forever four years old. Blake Anthony Wellmaker was born on May 5th and is forever 28. Adam Walker was born on May 6th and is forever 28 we celebrate with these families the day these children came into the world. We know it will always be a special day worth celebrating, even though it's hard. It's one of those bittersweet days, isn't it? If you would like to have your child's birthday announced the week of his or her birthday, I would be honored to do that. Just go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. Fill out that form, including the pronunciation of your child's name, if sometimes it is mispronounced, uh, the first name or the last name. Submit that information, and I will announce your child's birthday the week of his or her birthday. And Dave will also send you an email to remind you to listen that week of the podcast episode. Yes, broken can be beautiful as we surrender to the hands of the potter, allowing him to rebuild our lives. In Kintsuki, like I was talking about, the pottery is put back together and held in place by a precious metal, making it even more valuable than before it was broken. And that really, truly can be us, we can become even more valuable and more precious within our brokenness, not in spite of our child's death, but because of his or her life. And as you are allowing God to do that special work, remember to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.